Well, Father, it's with great joy that we've gathered this morning, and it so brings encouragement to us to gather with your people, and on these special days, how sweet it is to just reflect upon the truths of your word and how they influence and impact our thinking, how they transform our lives. And Father, we just thank you for the great privilege of a beautiful Sunday morning, a beautiful Christmas morning, where all is and we take it as a gift from you, peaceful and calm in our community today. And I just pray that we would receive your word and your gospel, and that its peace would rule in our hearts and our lives today. Encourage and strengthen each one, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have to tell you that um, I stand before you this morning with somewhat of a... um, confession to make. And that is that, um, and and let me back up and parenthetically say that I know that I have a reputation of not believing in Santa Claus. And in fact, not even being a fan of Santa Claus. But I have to tell you that I thought that a Christmas Sunday morning with the congregation well gathered was a good time for me to open my heart a little bit and admit that there is some doubt in my heart. And so that maybe I am not a Santa Claus atheist, but I am perhaps nudging over to a Santa Claus agnostic. (laughs) Because I have to wonder, because it just happens too often that on my desk, and it says, from Santa Claus. Now what am I to do with this information? And I have to tell you that if from the platform I admit that there's a Santa Claus and next year I will get more, then I'm good with being in Sa- <laughs> Santa Claus and I are tight. All right? And, and not only that, but Sandy brought me my Hickory Farm sausage this year again. Now this one goes way back. But... Um, you know, all that to say, what, what makes Christmas feel like Christmas to you? What is it that goes on in your home and what goes on around your world that you would say, these are the things that I like to happen and it just really makes me feel like Christmas? Maybe it's the family gathered around the tree. Perhaps you read the Christmas story even before you get out of bed with all the children. But then you say... Well, it used to be that way, but we don't have children anymore, and it just doesn't feel like Christmas. Times change, don't they? And seasons shift. This morning, I want to turn our attention, of course, to God's Word, and I thought on Christmas morning it was a good time for us to just reflect upon the realities of the Christmas story, and I want to challenge our hearts because I would suggest, and Would you agree with me that as we seek for these traditions and as we we long for the coziness of Christmas, whatever that means to you, whatever it is that makes Christmas feel like Christmas to you, I would suggest that there are four elements. And, And let's think of these four elements or dynamics or ingredients. Let's think of them as some kind of beautiful bulbs with which to grace our Christmas tree. That if these four things are present, then Christmas feels like Christmas. 
The first one that I want to suggest is we want Christmas to be beautiful, don't we? We're looking for beauty. And so we get in the car and we drive around the neighborhoods and we look at the lights and we go, ooh, ah. We open our cards and we say, what a beautiful Christmas card. And we decorate certain rooms in our home and we keep the kids away from it and we say, it's so beautiful. We're looking for aesthetic beauty in our Christmas experience, aren't we? Beauty, number one. Secondly, I would suggest that a growing longing in the hearts of many of us for our Christmas ingredient is another bulb. We've hung the bulb of beauty. Let's hang the ball, how would you agree with me, of simplicity. How about a Christmas of simplicity? And here's what I think we think about. Snow falling. Fire in the fireplace. The children have made a snowman outside. He hasn't talked to them. And there's soup on the stove. And hot cider. And all is calm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But isn't that what we long for? We long for simplicity, don't we? How about a third ball with which a beautiful bulb to grace our Christmas tree would be if we can have joy this Christmas, then Christmas will be Christmas, right? Isn't that one of the elements that we long for in our Christmas, to have joy? Maybe that's Christmas caroling, coming to a Christmas Eve service, somehow to feel a joy in our hearts, to have our children around us, to have them give us the gifts um, a girl's best friend is what? To open that, and it's, it brings joy to my heart. It brings joy. So we long for beauty. We long for simplicity. We long for joy. One more dynamic that I think is part of the elements, or a grace, a Christmas grace, that would make our tree beautiful, is, and I think in all sincerity this is true for most of us, if not all of us, Because I believe God has put it inside us. Don't you long to truly worship at Christmas time? To worship. But boy, that's one that we grasp at, isn't it? How difficult it is to sincerely and truly calm ourselves and to have significant and meaningful worship. Would you agree with that bulb on our tree? Aren't those four very excellent elements to our Christmas, wouldn't that just grace our Christmas well? To have beauty, to have simplicity, to have joy, and to have worship. Well, I thought it appropriate this morning for us to, before we pack it away, like with so many decorations, it's the only time of year it seems that we look at this passage, is to remind ourselves that all four of these elements are present in the Christmas story in our Gospels. Let's begin with that young man, Joseph, shall we please? And let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, and let's just remind ourselves of Joseph's Christmas experience. It had nothing to do with Hickory Farms. It had nothing to do with peanut M&Ms. But it did have to do with... It did have to do with beauty. In Joseph, we see the Christmas element of beauty, but maybe not the way you think of it. 
Let's read about him. This is how, verse 18, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. There he is. We've met Joseph, the fiancé of Mary. But an interesting thing happens. Before they came together, she was found to be with child. If we stop there, it would be a shame and a disgrace and a broken heart. But the story goes on to tell us, through the Holy Spirit. This is truly the miraculous conception. This is the reality that God in His mysterious and marvelous and sovereign plan selected Mary, which we will read about in just a minute, that moment when she discovered that she was to be the mother of the Messiah. But here's Joseph. And I always try to remind us, remember, Joseph had limited information. He had limited revelation. We have lots of information. We have complete revelation. We know how the story ends. Joseph, well, let's read. Because Joseph, was a, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. In other words, he could have made a big splash out of it. He could have made sure everybody knew, I'm not the father. Get that girl away from me. But Joseph was a just man. That meant that he had a character and a righteous character that he loved his neighbor as himself. He truly loved Mary. He truly cared about her. And he would rather be burdened with a stigma than allow that stigma to be passed on to her. That's true love, isn't it? So he's pondering this and thinking it through. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. God often in Scripture spoke to people in dreams, didn't he? We don't know exactly what that was like. I assume, like dreams that we can have, it just was absolutely crystal clear, perfect. You can picture everything. Bam! And an angel appears in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Okay? Totally don't understand that. She will give birth to a son. And Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We've camped on that phrase already this Christmas season. And I take it there was somewhat of a context in Joseph's mind where he understood from Old Testament Scripture, which he would have been familiar with, and he knew that there was a time prophesied by the men of old, written in the the Scripture, the Old Testament, that Messiah would come. I take it that Joseph put this together somehow in his thinking at some level. All this, he says, took place, verse 22, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, this had to happen. It was prophesied. It was in Scripture. And so it had to happen. It couldn't not happen. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, 
And he gave him the name Jesus. I'd like to suggest this morning that Joseph is a model of, sim, of, of beauty in our Christmas story this morning. And Joseph represents to us, on gracing our Christmas tree with the beautiful bulb of the beauty of obedience. The beauty of obedience. Do you find, as I do, something aesthetically pleasing when a righteous man obeys the word of God? That is a very good thing, isn't it? And Joseph does what? With limited information, limited revelation, not knowing the end from the beginning, he wakes from his dream and notice two words. He did. He did what the angel commanded him. He had enough information to know to obey. How about you this morning? Has God spoken to you? Indeed, He has. Have you received His revelation? Have you received His word? And do you do what God asks you to do? Do you allow the Scriptures to come about you, to surround you and surrender and yield yourself over to it so that you know this Christmas season the beauty of obedience? Some of you know the pain of disobedience. It's not funny. It's heartbreaking. This Christmas, can I call you to gather around the tree and can I call you to a renewed commitment to the beauty of obedience? He did. It's like this. God said it, and so He did it. He understood the source of the information and he believed the source of the information. Isn't that us? We understand the source of the information and we say we believe it. Now the key to bring this aesthetic quality of a Christian and Christmas grace into our lives is to do it, to obey the word of God. I thought about subtitling our message, The Un-Christmas, because under each point of, of our Christmas graces, our Christmas elements that we're hanging on our tree so that we can truly experience Christmas, I have some unwords. If you're jotting them down or if you want to think about them, I think they will trigger meditative thought later on. I want you to notice, before we move on off our aesthetic quality of beauty, that with Joseph, this was very unexpected. This was not what he had planned. Not only was it an unexpected reality in his life, but notice this, it was unprecedented. No one else had ever been conceived by the Holy Spirit. He never had a girlfriend like this before, in this condition before. It was unprecedented. And don't you have to believe though it doesn't say so in the story, that Joseph had unanswered questions. Wouldn't you say that Joseph had some confusion, some unanswered questions? And so for Joseph, that's part of his un-Christmas. Well, this is unexpected, and this is unprecedented, and I have some unanswered questions, but he, noticed did not use any of that to take the bulb of obedience off of his tree. And I wonder how many of us get ourselves into high weeds because if something is unclear to us, if something is unprecedented in our lives, we back away. And instead of just following through with God's word in simple obedience. 
we, we, we think that we have to have more information. I find in Joseph the beauty of obedience in the Christmas story. Well, let's move on to his fiance, and let's go to Luke's Gospel in chapter 2, and let's see in Mary the Christmas grace of simplicity. The Christmas grace of simplicity. This is not Luke. Did I say Luke 2? I want to move to Luke 1, please. Luke 1. And I want us to read verses 26 to 38. And this is where the angel Gabriel, sent by God, delivers the message to Mary that she is the one who will mother the Christ child. Verse 26, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I want to make clear that that expression and repeated also when Elizabeth says blessed are you among women I don't believe that that is indicative of any kind of special uh, you might say deification or any kind of uh, placement of Mary that is above all other humanity it is simply indicative of the fact that in all humility of all the maidens in Israel she was blessed to be the one through whom God was going to incubate Jesus. And so be careful not to say about Mary that somehow she has a level of spirituality, that she somehow has a connection with Jesus and a connection with the saints and a connection even with God the Father because she's blessed above all women. She's blessed above all women simply because God and His sovereignties selected her to unfold His plan of salvation through her. But Mary needed a Savior just like everyone else. And the Bible is absolutely clear about that. And so Mary says she was greatly troubled, verse 29, at his words, and she wondered what in the world kind of greeting is that? But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you who have found favor with God. You will be with child and you will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Woo! What a message she got. Woo! Remember, limited information, limited revelation, all of a sudden, she gets the whole load just dumped in her lap. And Mary asks a very good question. She's like, it's the obvious question, isn't it? Um, before you leave, may I ask one question, angel? Okay, I know, no matter what the community thinks, I know that I've never been with a man. And so would you please tell me how in the world this could happen if that is the case? Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. But that was with her husband, not through the Holy Spirit. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. Now verse 37, would you notice it clearly? Because I want us to repeat it together. For nothing is impossible with God. 
Did you hear it? Listen again. For nothing is impossible with God. Will you say it with me? For nothing is impossible with God. One more time. For nothing is impossible with God. I believe that Mary understood that completely. And notice her response. I am the Lord's servant. Wow. That's humility. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. In Joseph, we have the beauty of obedience. And in Mary, I see simplicity. I see the simplicity of childlike faith. The simplicity of childlike faith. This is an un-Christmas too, I would say. Notice that she had to be in an uncomfortable situation. And in fact, it was completely unacceptable to the community. But she responded with an uncomplicated faith. We're not good at uncomplicated faith, are we? We're not good at saying, okay, Lord, I clearly understand that this is what your word says. I clearly understood the message you gave me. And by faith, I will accept it. But we are no good at that. And we take our Bibles and from Genesis to Revelation, we make up new stories that that are much more complicated, like big bangs and all kinds of things that don't even make sense because we don't like to have just a simple faith. And I would say that in the Christmas story, one one of the aesthetically pleasing parts of the Christmas story is that this young girl, Mary, had a simple childlike faith and God used her in a profound way. Our third grace for Christmas that we want to hang on our tree is certainly joy. We want to have joy to the world. We need to have joy. It's Christmas time. I called my brother this morning. My brother's um, grouchier than I am about Christmas. I had to phone on speakerphone. My brother's a minister of music in a church. And um, um, it just means a lot of work at Christmas time. And at some level, you finally get to where you're like, I'm really glad when this is over. And in your fleshly moments, you say, why do we even have to do all this? And my brother is, a, is an old bachelor. In fact, some woman here, about 48, ought to go marry him and straighten him out. But... He, uh, I had him on speakerphone, and Janet was nearby, and he was, he was waxing eloquent about why he uh, thought he would rather just stay in bed this morning instead of get up and go lead his choir, and uh, God forgive him. And, um, and Janet looked over at me. She was on the other side of the table, and I was holding the phone on speakerphone, and she rolled her eyes, and she said, what a Marceau. Can't we just have a little joy in our Christmas, right? Instead of bah humbug. Well, I can't think of a better representation of joy in the Christmas story than our shepherds. Let's quickly go there. I know you know the story well. It's in Luke's Gospel in chapter 8. Luke, excuse me, Luke's Gospel and chapter 2 and verse 8. 
And this is what it says. And there were shepherds living out in their fields, watching over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Boy, the angels were sure making their rounds this Christmas night, weren't they? And this is what it says. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Of course they were. Pitch black, out in the wilderness, tending their sheep. Totally an unprecedented event as well. The skies light up. Okay? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. There it is. This is a joy-filled message. I bring you great news of joy that will be for all people. You know, that's just a reminder right there, by the way, that all people, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people everywhere, regardless of culture, regardless of upbringing, regardless of geographic location. That the heart of the Christmas message is God revealing himself as our creator and as a holy and righteous God revealing to all of mankind that globally all people everywhere need to know that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Do you have that straight in your head? It's not an American tradition. It's not an American arrogance that everybody has to believe with our religion. It is the reality of the scripture. It is the reality of the truth of the word of God that this is God out of his love and kindness revealing himself to mankind and in fact completing the unfulfilled equation of our helplessness to deal with our own sinfulness so that he said, I will do something about it. You can't complete your own homework. I will complete it for you. I will send Jesus, my only son, he will be your sin bearer, he will be born in the manger, but he will grow up and he will go to the cross, and at the cross is where the great exchange will take place, and my holy, just demands will be met, and by grace, through faith, then you can look to the cross and be saved. Amen? That's the story. We've been talking about that a lot this Christmas season. But I just wanted to make sure you understand it this morning. If if you haven't been around, know that that Jesus Christ alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And that it's just not a feel-good story, but it is about us recognizing our own sinfulness in the presence of a holy God. And us recognizing that the only way sinful man and a holy God are bridged is through the cross. And that the cross is the connecting point. And it's where we go, where we acknowledge our sinfulness. We acknowledge our need for righteousness. We acknowledge our need to be forgiven. We acknowledge our need that I cannot get into God's heaven apart from what Jesus did for me. And what Jesus did was sufficient. What Jesus did was adequate to get me into heaven. And how do I receive it? The same way you've done around your Christmas trees last night and this morning. You've passed out gifts and without payment and without obligation you've just received the free gift and you've opened it and you've said thank you so much and that's how you get saved that's how you get your sin forgiven you go to God acknowledge your sinfulness and you just receive the free gift by faith believing that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life wow it's so simple but don't miss it all right and back to our joy ornament I will bring you good news of great joy. Suddenly a great company, verse uh, 13, of the heavenly host appeared 
with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And when the angels left them, verse 15, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing which happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they did what? They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were just amazed, wow, at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them. And the shepherds returned, here it is again, verse 20, the shepherds returned doing what? Glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. In the shepherds, we find the Christmas grace of joy. I call it the spontaneous outburst of a glad heart. The spontaneous outburst of a glad heart. Where does that joy come from? That joy comes from someone who is a lover of darkness. That joy comes from somebody who's been in the dark and now the lights are on. That joy comes from somebody who was lost, but now they're found. That joy comes from somebody who had no direction, but now they have direction and purpose. That joy comes from somebody who's been burdened down with guilt, but now they're forgiven and they're free from their sin. Joy, the spontaneous outburst of a gladdened heart. I would, for our un-Christmas, call this simply uncontainable. When you understand why he came and why he went to the cross and how he rose from the dead, it's just uncontainable. It is the reality that my life has been transformed. Well, let's wrap it up with our fourth Christmas ball for our tree. So far we have beauty, we have the beauty of obedience, we have simplicity, we have the simplicity of childlike faith, we have joy, we have the spontaneous outburst of gladdened hearts modeled by the shepherds. Let's go back to Matthew's Gospel and let's go to chapter 2 and let's quickly remind ourselves of these guys we call the wise men and let's add to our tree this Christmas the bulb of worship Simply a desire to worship Jesus. A desire to worship Jesus. You know the story well. Verse chapter 2 starts out. After he was born, the Magi come from the east. They're seeking the king of the Jews. They go to Herod. Herod hears about it. Herod is disturbed. Herod asks them to go find him. They're following the star. Herod seeks info from his wise men and uh, his own wise men. They tell him this is what the prophet predicted. Um... In Isaiah, in Bethlehem, the land of Judah, this is where Messiah would come from. These wise men who came from afar, not afar, but afar, probably present-day Iran. They were probably Persian. Where did they get their information? It was probably passed on through the generations way back from the time of the exile when young believers like Daniel taught other Persians about the one true God. And somehow they held on. Perhaps God revealed it to them in special revelation as well. They come a-seeking. They recognize in Herod no friend of Jesus. They do not return. And notice what it says. Verse 9, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. There's some Christmas joy along with the shepherds. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. This is no doubt some months or even a year or two following his birth. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You know that we get our information from a hymn, a Christmas hymn, that this was three kings based upon the fact that three kinds of gifts are mentioned in the story. No doubt this was as many as 30 in this entourage, maybe 300, who knows, it had to be a large entourage, it wouldn't have been safe to travel otherwise, apart from a big group of people. We don't know how many, but can you imagine Mary and Joseph at their home, some apartment they rented, Joseph perhaps with his workshop. Joseph, look, and this strange, because they were from another culture, they had a different look, they had a different feel, they come (laughs) and grown men, grown men come and find the baby and they bow down. They worship. Amazing, isn't it? And they give these gifts. They're models, aren't they, of us, of a desire to worship Jesus. You talk about inconvenient, expensive, and extravagant worship. There it is. Inconvenient, travel over a thousand miles to get there. Expensive, liquefy these gifts and you got a lot of, a lot of coinage on your hand. Extravagant, they break it open and they pour it out on Jesus. Very convicting, isn't it? With our sometimes stingy acts of giving and worship, our begrudging attitudes... But they were uninhibited and they were unselfish. Have you had any uninhibited worship? I'm not good at that, especially in public. I was taught to worship like this. And so I'm just not good at uninhibited worship. And I'm not suggesting that we just open up the floor for uninhibited worship here, but... uh, You know, it seems like at least when you're out in the woods walking your dog, you ought to have a few moments of uninhibited worship if Jesus really is who he said he is. And he really did what he did. And uh, we we certainly need to have some enthusiastic and energetic response. These wise men were driven day and night, week in, week out, to find, to seek, to bow down. They were uninhibited grown men who would bow down in a public place and they were unselfish. They gave richly to the baby Jesus. Well, there's our tree decorated with four Christmas graces. Don't you agree that those are the kinds of graces that we long for in Christmas? Beauty, simplicity, joy, and worship. I trust that uh, you will be able to incorporate these elements in your meditations and in your household throughout your day.
And you do know that... Um, I'll let you know a little secret. December 25th probably isn't the real day that Jesus was born. So that means that, like, you can take a little liberty here and you could extend your own Christmas. Do you know that? You could continue to seek Jesus. You could continue to decorate your tree throughout the whole year. Why wouldn't that be something that we would be just filled with gladdened hearts every day, all year long, that Jesus was born for us? Amen? Let's pray. Father... Fill our hearts with that kind of joy, and to do that, we admit that we have to shuck off some of the baggage that we've accumulated and how we've allowed the world to press us into its mold, so forgive us for that. Thank you, Father, for the joy that we have in being part of the body of Christ, and just to gather and sing the hymns of Christmas. But Lord, at a personal level, would you please teach us the beauty of obedience, the simplicity of childlike faith. Would you please, Lord, just give, give us gladdened hearts that we would have outbursts of spontaneous worship. Father, would you show us how to give extravagantly? Show us how not to be selfish. Lord, that we would take this news like the shepherds and spread it around and that we would be determined, be determined like the wise men to bow humbly in your presence regularly. Thank you for this wonderful story. Thank you for this wonderful day. Please accomplish your purposes in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.